2: Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by your regular Wednesday contributors, Colin Watt and Amy Canavan, for the Axon Bulletin. Never did I think that the first subject on my list. When I came at the on bulletin, would be uh, the bombing, the petrol bombing of Peter Lowell's house. But it's something that has absolutely dominated the news this morning, and rightly so. An absolute, an absolutely disgraceful act, and it's somehow managed to drag in individuals from a Celtic state of mind. Not to make this about us, but um, just to make it clear that uh, there were tweets out today by Great Pantheon eighteen who is someone that we gave uh, a platform to last week actually on Wednesday's show which was going to be a dial-in show that idea has been scrapped for the time being because obviously that individual has tried to implicate uh, myself, Amy, Natasha and others in the uh, whipping up of the frenzy which has somehow caused the petrol bombing of Peter Lowell's house absolute nonsense of course but the more concerning thing about that And my entire morning has been dealt with uh, liaising with various individuals. Uh, This person has been claiming to be Martin Riley, who is Neil Lennon's agent. It's not Martin Riley, the Great Pantheon 18, pretending to be someone that he's not. um, I can confirm that is not the case. Um, And Celtic security have been alerted to the fact that there is someone online pretending to be. Um, someone he is not which in itself is rather concerning Um, so when you wake up Amy as a a young journalism media student like yourself and you're getting dragged in to this kind of situation um, I mean it's completely unnerving first and foremost, it's unacceptable Um, but as I say we've got to uh, be vocal in this. We're not trying to make it all about a Celtic state of mind. But when someone is out there pretending to be um, quite a high profile figure in the world of Celtic, particularly just now, it's dangerous. It's dangerous because people may turn on that individual, believing it to be the person who is whipping up this frenzy, or they may turn against myself, you, or others who have been named in that tweet as well. So I just wanted to put that out there first of all and ask for your reaction to that, Amy.
1: Yeah, there's. I've been, I've been shaking all morning. Um, I I think the first person I actually got in contact with you because I was like, look, I have no idea what's going on here. I don't understand any of this. As you said, I'm only twenty. I'm. I'm obviously hoping to pursue a career in journalism, and you know, if this is if this is the norm, then count me out. I, I don't want to be part of this. This is nothing that I've you know advocated for anything like that. There, there's no denying, and I'm not even ashamed to say it. I've been really shaken this morning. I've been really upset. You know. um My dad works, my mum works, mum's not in the house. I've phoned her at work, I've been phoning my uncle. I just, I don't know what to do. You know, it's not something that you want to be associated with. As you say, I wake up this morning, I have a long lie this morning. So one day I don't need to be coming to the studio at a ridiculously early time. So I have a long lie and I come in and then, and and that's what you wake up to. And and, and like I say, it's not something that, I I certainly don't feel how, I understand how there's any way that, that we've contributed to it. You know, I think like anything else, yeah, there, there's no denying. It. I, I've definitely advocated for for Lawwell out over the course of the season. But again, as I've been trying to almost like justify all season, I've been thinking: is there anything that I've said? I don't. I have no connection to to, to, to Lawwell to anybody inside the club. So I don't. I don't know the man. I really don't. I am just the general fan. I, I live out in Edinburgh. I've got no connections to anything in Glasgow like that. I've not. I don't know anybody. Know any. Anyone who knows him, you know, I don't, I just, he's been in the role my whole life, pretty much. He's all I've known. So, if anything, yeah, I was just looking for a little bit of a shake-up. But, you know, to, to be, as you say, to be told that we've contributed to this, to a man getting petrol bombed, a house getting petrol bombed, thing think he's his daughter's live with him, and I think maybe somebody's reported as well that her daughter's with him, so he's got a grandchild in the house as well. You know, I've got a gran. Like, I've stayed with my gran so many times. It doesn't even matter if, if I have a gran or if I don't. If I've got... I, I'll a house or not it doesn't matter this is a person this is a family this is so much more than football and to be brought into that and to say that we've contributed to that just because we're on a podcast voicing our opinions like any other fans I, I, again we say we don't talk for the whole Celtic support I completely understand that and there will be people who still want Peter well in the job but anybody that I've spoken to I think most people do want a little bit of a change and we are now getting that change, we need a change, it's fresh you know, the change in the last 10 years, we would never have had anything like this like fan media, it's been a positive change and the mainstream media will have... um well, I've supported that. Of course, fan media has, has has helped things. It's all about growth and it's all about development. So, you know, to be like you say, to be brought into that this morning, I have no idea how to deal with anything like this. I'm I'm twenty. I, like I not just. I have no idea. I'm still, yeah. I understand i and I don't know. And you can maybe say I'm a journalist, but I still go to my mum because my mum's my go-to. So, um, mm-hmm. I am. I'm, I was. I was shaking this morning. I really was.
2: Totally uh, unacceptable. And again, it's one of these ones, Colin. I'm not trying to make it about us, but also, um, you know, the the kind of chat around Twitter around that particular account who have made this incredible link to the the petrol bombing of Peter Lowell's house, and then started to name individuals. And there were there were others as well. And people might be saying, "Don't give them airtime," but you know, this is actually quite a dangerous situation to be in. Um, it's verging on. I guess, um, you know, a civil, potentially even criminal act to come out and try and blame certain individuals for such a, a heinous act as a petrol bombing in someone's house. Um, but then, you know, on the back of all that, Colin, this individual has, you know, gone as far as setting up email addresses, which obviously have been used to dial that person in last Wednesday, uh, pretending to be Martin Reilly. I was on the phone to Martin when a lot of these tweets were being sent out. You know, it's not Martin. Martin's not done it. I'm uh, not going to, for a moment, say we are close, etc. I've had dealings with Martin, Riley, from probably three, four years ago. Colin, and I can guarantee you he's got nothing to do with us so that's a concern, it's a concern that the club's security then have to be informed of the fact that there was, there's some kind of troll online pretending to be someone, the only person whipping up anything at this moment in time is the individual behind the great Pantheon 18 account uh, and the thing with that as well Colin, is just get another example of this online harassment, this online abuse, I've spoken to you about this, when uh, we spoke back in October about, you know, me making the, the point that I, I thought a change was necessary. And at that time, I didn't know all the circumstances around what was going on at the club. I still don't. Will we ever know all the circumstances, Colin? But you know yourself, people were turning up at the studio. Damage was being done to the vehicle outside. And that, you know, that, that's tiny compared to what's happening today. But today... Even the, the tweet that was being sent out trying to uh, all of a sudden look at a, a criminal situation and say, well, it must be Celtic fans, which is a ridiculous thing to suggest as well without any evidence whatsoever. Um, but also the, the other concern is after what's happened at the weekend there and then looking at the situation as we are just now. Who on earth would, would want to come to, to Glasgow to be a manager or even a player in one of these football clubs? And again, people might say, well, you're you're talking about a situation as if it's a football fan that's done this. We don't know the circumstances, Colin. Of course we don't.
3: Look, I just want to start off by just, Amy, I'm sorry that anything that's came up, I, I hope you're okay. You, As you said, you're still really young. Um, and this is a this is a career for you. Um, for for people like myself, for other ones that come on the podcast this is a a hobby that we come on and do this you've got a career ahead of you and to get dragged into something like that it doesn't set the kind of person that you are Um, and I I can see it in the comments already that everyone's got your back so uh, continue to do what you want to do because you'll go far Um, on the, the idea of the Peter Lowell thing first of all our best wishes are passed on to Peter and his family. At the end of the day, these are human beings, and they were targeted in this heinous attack last night. They do not deserve anything that happened to them last night. To attack someone's home, to attack someone's property, is um, beyond any sort of reasonable kind of action that anyone could ever explain to me. Now. Peter Lowell, yes, OK. Celtic fans have asked for him to leave the club and he's doing so. He's left the club. He's, he's going to be leaving his role. We've got a new person coming in, but the man is doing a job. The same way that you guys are coming on here and doing a job when you're coming on to do the bulletin day after day. At the end of the day, everyone's a human being and no one deserves that sort of thing. And for someone to come on, and try to be someone else and stir up this sort of hate, it's undeserved and it's completely unnerving. It gets to the point where someone's pretending to be other people or someone is digging up old information from years ago. Seriously, get a life. Get a life. And for the person or the people that carried out these crimes, and it's not just Peter Lawwell's house that was targeted, I believe James Mortimer's house, and other houses in the Bovewell area were attacked. Just, I hope that you're caught, and I hope that you serve the time for what you've done, because that quite easily could have ended up a lot, lot worse. And Absolutely, it never. Yeah, it never.
2: Could have ended an absolute tragedy, Colin and it brings everything really uh, into perspective. This is a football podcast, this is a Celtic uh, broadcast, it's something that we do every single day Uh, and now that we've uh, spoken about that big kind of headline uh, around the petrol bombing of Peter Lovell's house, which is a disgrace and we've also called out someone who's trying to whip up a a, a frenzy albeit on a much smaller scale, online and I think that's completely necessary because if you don't call it out, Amy, you're giving them a free platform to have a free dig and a free hit here and there and you know all it takes is for a few people to pile up on that as well and it's not nice when you're on the receiving end of that kind of abuse so Let's move on to other matters. Colin, what you had lined yourself up to be presenting today? Uh, you were, you know, sending me your agenda, uh, all all killer, no filler. You told me so. Let's start <laughs> off. Let's start off with the Scottish national team. There's loads of chat over the last few weeks about the performance of uh, David Trumbull this season. Uh, will he get picked? Will he not get picked? Has it all come a bit late for him? I look at that squad there, and you know, I think that. It's been bold in some ways I think there's a few players in there That I'm delighted have been, have been uh, selected It's brilliant to look down the list And see the name of Dykes um, I have long <laughs> advocated for him uh, To sign for Celtic Obviously for uh, uh, obvious reasons But uh, what's your thoughts um, About who made it and who didn't make it In terms of Celtic
3: First of all, congratulations to the six Celtic players that did make the squad. So those are, those are Greg Taylor, David Turnbull, Callum McGregor, Ryan Christie, James Forrest and Jack Henry. I mean, from memory, I can't really remember many other Scotland squads that have had that deeper representation coming from Celtic. World um, Cup 98. Sorry to wash your bubble. <laughs> well, World Cup, Cup 98. 98. Well, that's what I'm saying, Paul. This is the first major tournament that I will remember. I, I was, I was still what three, four. No, it's no excuse. It's not it's like no eight, excuse. Eight it's no excuse. At that point, you <laughs> should have already
2: had a season ticket for a couple of years, mate.
3: <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's good to see that amount of people there. The big surprise for me is Ryan Gold not being included within the squad. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I was part of the Celtic coaching staff I would seriously be looking at trying to bring someone like Ryan Gold to the club this summer he's available on a free transfer he's one of the hottest players in the Portuguese league Um, hottest as in these talents on the park not his looks obviously Um, but yeah some real interesting surprises, Billy Gilmore included in there um, which I think is is definitely deserved for his performances for Chelsea and Nathan Patterson as well at right back that'll be an interesting one to see who gets the nod between him and Stephen O'Donnell. But yeah, no Lee Griffiths. Does that really come as a surprise to anybody? Well,
2: you know, I I stick by the fact that Lee Griffiths is the finest striker uh, that Scotland has available to them. But for all the other reasons that uh, we've been angry about and frustrated about this season, Amy, he's not in the squad. But what I've got to say as a caveat to that is that, you know... There's absolutely no way he was going to get picked, Colin. I mean, that would have been an absolute wild card. You know, a couple of appearances Mm. here and there as a sub. He needed to be playing consistently this season, Amy. For himself, if this was his ambition to go to the finals, is it his final chance? Who knows what happens in football? But for the Celtic cause, for 10 in a row you know, this whole thing is basically the result of all of that I think Colin, and Lee Griffiths if he was serious about this, he had to be playing games at least by the turn of the year Amy, and he's just not been playing the games.
1: Yeah we've said that time and time again, you know he had this Great incentive. Even in the last few weeks, you know, even under Kennedy, he had an incentive that many other players didn't have—that he had the opportunity to break into the squad. And this was even before the injuries to, to you know, McBurney. There's there's Kevin Nisbet's came out in almost nowhere on the Scotland scene this season since moving to Hibbs. We all know about him at Dunfermline, we certainly did, but he's broken onto the Scotland scene and then, you know, if you were naming your Scotland squad last week or the week before, you're just trying to guess, you would have had Nisbet there because even in this short period of time he's managed to overlap and put himself in a front runner. You know, some of my friends were even putting a lot Shankland before um Lee Griffiths as well. And Shanklin's not been hitting the heights this season. So there were opportunities there and like you say, time and time again, there's been that carrot at the end of the season really not at the end of the second, at the end of the season for Griffiths to, to break into this squad you know this is, as Colin said, it's the first one that he can remember, it's the first one of my lifetime Wow, <laughs> stop, stop rubbing <laughs> it in, stop
2: rubbing <laughs> it in Amy
1: It's um it's, it's a terrific thing to you know. You want to be involved in, and it's always the case. And you're not advocating for injuries to anyone, but from that last camp that was, I think, at the end of March, you knew there was going to be injuries, and there was because there always is, and especially
4: as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. When traders tell us how to make Thinkorswim even better, we listen. They asked for a version they could access anywhere. No download necessary. We heard them. And when they asked to execute a preset trade strategy in seconds, we said absolutely. Feedback like this inspired us to build Thinkorswim Web, and it continues to push us. So our entire suite of platforms never stops getting better. Because platforms this innovative aren't just made for traders. They're made by them. Thinkorswim Trading from TD Ameritrade.
1: Scotland, there's definitely going to be, you know, people are going to miss out. So there was a chance there and you have no idea what if if, um, if Clark was going to take, you know, five attackers, six attackers. So there was always that little bit of space for Griffiths. But as you say, he's just not done it this season. He's not done it for, for Celtic and he's certainly not had this goal in mind. And you'd think after, you know, the, the penalty shootout and taking that penalty, stepping up, that he'd, he'd think, you know, I, that merits something, and it doesn't. Everybody will hold him for that. So he had that little bit even ahead of others. Clark obviously sticks by him. He, he, um, he included him in, the, in that camp when he, again, wasn't even playing that much. So it wasn't like he had this chip on his shoulder that there was no chance he was getting in. There was a chance, and he missed it, and he blew it.
3: The thing is, Paul, see if you're playing devil's avocado. You've got James Forrest in there, who is someone who missed basically most of this season. Avocado. Yeah, devil's avocado. I heard that a couple of weeks ago. I'm, I'm keeping that one. Um, if you if you look at James Forrest, it's someone who wasn't involved for the vast majority of this season through injury. Came in, he's maybe only played, what, six, seven games since that. Uh, you're looking at it, he was on, um, he's been in and out the squad since he came mm. back in. Mm-hmm. But yet, Clark clearly knows the kind of player that he is and he can rely on him to come back into the squad. Griffiths has actually played 26 games for Celtic this season and he scored seven goals. Now, looking at it, when you look at the three strikers that's picked ahead of him, each of them have scored more goals than him, But they've also played 40-odd games, showing that they're reliable and they can be called upon. Hmm. So, even if Griffiths only made 20-odd appearances, he had to put the ball in the back of the net more often and he had to show that he was fit and he was committed to the squad. Forrest, missed the whole season, comes back for maybe 10 games at the end and shows that he's ready to take that place. So there was an opportunity for him, but I think Griffiths totally blew it.
2: When we look back, this is connected to the season we've just endured. Um, when we look back on this season, one of the big things that I'll always go back to is Lee Griffiths. And now, you know, you look at the uh, the turnaround last season, or was it now two seasons ago, um, whereby Griffiths comes back in, we start playing with him and Edward up front, and it clicked, Colin, and we started seeing an upturn in performances. You're kind of hoping all season that that was going to happen. This season, and it didn't. And even when Griffiths got a chance, he was in and out of the side, I think, he's been available for selection. A hell of a Mm. lot more than James Forrest But as soon as Forrest comes back in He's making an impact He's getting up to match fitness Something that Lee Griffiths hasn't managed to get to So I mean Steve Clark, I think you're looking at a 26 man squad Isn't it And Mm -hmm. uh, there can be no passengers There can be absolutely no passengers My uh, real sadness is around the fact that I've got no doubt he's the best striker in Scottish football. He's a, he's the best Scottish striker that we have available, and it's other reasons that have prevented him from appearing at potentially uh, the only finals tournament that he can for his country. I'm looking at some of the the names though when you when you think about individuals, and obviously you need to get the correct blend, Colin. But I look at the, the names in the squads. Um, people like obviously Kieran Tierney, Annie Robertson, um, you know Turnbull, McGinn. Gilmore, Armstrong, McTominay they, that's quite an exciting team for me looking at that and yeah. you know up front when, when I look at the strikers I, I watched a, a fair bit in this but I kept an eye on him when he signed for Femlin I've spoken to people who've been involved in his kind of earlier youth career talking about the step up where can he go um, in relation to his own career I know there was interest I think there was a bid a two and a half million quid in January Hibs for stood firm Birmingham? Yeah. Birmingham were in for him Colin yeah. Hib, Hibs stood firm but since then Ron. Gordon has suggested that one, possibly two Hibs assets will be sold in the summer um, I know your feelings on Lewis Ferguson what's your thoughts on uh, Nisbet in relation to Celtic and I'm going to ask you that um, on the back of me mentioning Lyndon Dykes right because Lyndon Dykes was available for two million quid uh, I'm not saying people I keep hearing this thing oh but he's no Celtic class I hear it all the time about players calling he would have done a better job than Bayon and Clamalla and, and arguably Lee
3: Griffiths for Celtic this season? I mean, all you need to take a look at is the career trajectory of these players. You're looking at Dykes, who was was he Queen of the South before he went to, to Livingston. you get got Kevin Nisbet, who was also playing in the Championship before he went up to Hibs. These are guys that have shown that if they can do it at one level, they can do it at another level. And there's always a thing, if you're a goal scorer, you always score goals, no matter which level you're playing at. Um, and these guys have shown it even when um, Dykes has stepped up into the, the Scottish national team he's shown that he can do it on that level as well mm-hmm. uh, he's moved to Queen's Park Rangers has worked out really well for him um, so I don't understand that kind of narrative that they could never make the step up if you're scoring goals you'll score goals um, and Nisbet for me is definitely been one of the best players in Scotland this season uh, I know by speaking to Jack Ross that he, he highly rates him Um, I know John Collins came out a couple of weeks ago and said that he feels as if he has to do more. He has to sort of uh, improve his movement in and around the box. Look, if you're getting a service to him, he's going to stick the ball in the back of the net. And at the end of the day, that's what you want to see is a a, a striker. You want somebody that's going to be in and around. Gary Hooper made a career out of that at Celtic. Um, And for years, we've been saying that we've been missing that penalty box striker. I think Kevin Nisbet could do that. Now it all comes down to how much you're looking to, to pay for someone of this, but um as you said there, I think they turned down a deal of about two and a half million in January. If Hibs are really needing to sell a player, how much can they hold out for? I think if he's available for around about two and a half, three million pounds. Considering that's the kind of money you've spent on Kamala, it would make sense for us to go down that route. I think we're all
2: uh, of the kind of understanding now, Amy, that the days of us trying to pluck a young Polish striker uh, from a, a fairly obscure side and a fairly obscure league for £3.5 million, I think those days are gone. Would you much rather put your money um, into a player that, as Colin said before, he's proven domestically that he can do the business?
1: Yeah, absolutely can. You know, I know we keep saying that we need strikers who can't just do it domestically, or not even just strikers, we need players who who can do it on the European stage, but the problem is when we go and get these so-called strikers that can do it on the European stage or we hope could, you're looking at Klamala, Yeti, never mind the European stages, they're not even doing it on a domestic level, so let's, Bank the domestic level first. You know, that, that's where we have to, to aim. I appreciate a club like Celtic. We have to be looking for Europe. I totally and utterly get that. But we also need to have that basis at, at domestic level. You know, we can't be yeah. really thinking, oh, right, we're forced to play Ryan Christie in a false nine or whoever it may be, Mikey Johnson in a false nine, Elianoussi in a false nine. You need to have <laughs> that go-to, really. And and like you say, Nis- Nisbet's proved that. Um, mm. And and he's continuing to prove it, and and that's that's where we should be looking. Again, as Colin says, there's six players in the Scotland setup. I know it's not all about having Celt- Scottish players at Celtic. I appreciate that, but again, it's great for the national side. You're keeping these guys together. It's a bit of unity, and of course, you want players who are internationalists. You do. Mm. And mm-hmm. if, if it's Nisbet, it doesn't matter if, if it's if it's only a Scottish international, international. Sorry, you're linking them up like you say. There's with Forrest, Steve Clark would be absolutely jumping at that if, if you had you know Nisbet and Forrest linking up all season. That you go there to partnership, and it does. And you can see obviously it's different. You're going from system to system, but the partnerships they work, of course they do. So I, I would definitely go for them, like you say, instead of plucking out some Bulgarian league, Polish league, Bel- league in Belgrade. I don't know. Uh-
2: See the big thing as well, Colin. Sorry to interject here, but you know, even when we, we actually go for quality. And I'm talking about supposed quality, I guess, right? So you, you go out and you get a player who has proved himself with Schalke and Timu Puki. Mm-hmm. and I heard Neil Lennon talking about Puki just uh, over the last few days. And you bring him into the, the, the Scottish game, and it doesn't work. So there, there's no, you know, there's no magic formula for this. Then you look at Scott McDonald. I mean, he had obviously a few uh, different, uh, um, you know, teams down down south. Obviously coming over from Australia, he, he was at Wimbledon. He played for Southampton briefly. Under Gordon Strachan. But he made his name at Motherwell. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, maybe turned their nose up at signing a guy for under a million quid from Motherwell. And obviously, because of Black Sunday, they maybe turned their nose up. But he not only scored goals domestically, he did it in Europe for Celtic. So we, we can take a player. If if they're able to elevate themselves from that, because there's loads of examples, Colin, where it doesn't work. You know, I would I would have put money on Scott Allen being a success at Celtic. I thought that he was a type of player um, who could have played the Celtic way, as cliched as that sounds, hmm. and uh, maybe you know. Uh, well obviously I was wrong but maybe I I was wrong when you look at his career since um, he's left the club I mean he's hardly but he's had his issues personal issues health issues Uh, so there's no magic formula but you're looking at these players and I remember making the the point when we qualified around um, the fact that uh, Stephen O'Donnell, and Andy Robertson, famously, and Declan Gallagher had all been at Celtic uh, for X amount of years, never made a made an appearance, and here they are uh, playing for the, the best Scottish or the most successful Scottish side um, in a generation. Um, and a lot of people said, "Well, you, you never know." We were right to we were actually right to free Andy Robertson, etc., and I get all that. But when I'm looking at that squad, there's a real Celtic flavour to it. Craig Gordon. Mm-hmm. Craig Gordon is in there. Um, you've got, uh, obviously, Stuart Armstrong is part of the squad as well. And John McGinn, but we won't get into the John McGinn uh, discussion. What I want to point out, though, Colin, is some of the words you said around Craig Gordon leaving at the beginning of the season, I haven't forgotten. Um, and you did speak about how that was a, that was a, the wrong move for
3: Celtic mm-hmm. to let Craig Gordon go. And uh, With hindsight, how right you were. Yeah, I mean, look, these are things that's always going to happen. Uh, you can throw a hundred things out and one thing's going to stick and unfortunately for us this season it's been the fact that we let Craig Gordon go Um, I don't think Gordon kind of covered himself well when he came out and had his attack at the club and the platforms that he used to do that but uh, he believes he wasn't treated fairly his wages were dramatically cut um, in the offer that they were giving him but look, he's shown the quality that he's still got he's doing it at hearts he's still doing it for the national team I've got to think, when's the last time that uh, a championship player was probably called up to the Scotland squad? I think in Lorne Shankland and then before that, who knows? So he's shown that if he can, if he's good enough, he will be called up, mm. um, which is a great trait of, of Stevie Clarke's uh, Scotland squads. Now, when you look at that, the, the Scotland squads came on so far from the days of going away to the Czech Republic and playing 4-6-0 and having no recognised strikers in the squad. Uh, and that comes down to a lot of the fact that Celtic have brought through a lot of these players that you just mentioned. Um, your Kanakian kind of Tienese, your your Robertsons and stuff, and you've got he's Armstrong. doing that. He's
2: doing that thing again. There is only one Tierney ah, in that they, squad, Colin. Right, okay.
3: Sorry, um, but guys like Robertson Singular. As well. yeah. Uh, guys like Robertson, Armstrong. So having that flavor, that they, they've played at the high level, and it's only good for the national team as well. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, the tournament coming up, I think the first games on the 14th of June And looking at it, I think we've got a good chance of getting out of that group See, this is a time for heroes uh, You
2: are too young to remember finals I'm thinking back, I was too young to remember the 1978 one I wasn't even born, although I was born later on uh, 1982, can't remember that Vaguely, Mexico 86, my first real tournament that Scotland were in was uh, Italia 90 um, and we do have a, an Italia 90 bag out there in the studio as well mm-hmm. with Charles So you remember the tournament Scotland were involved in And it's a time for heroes It creates absolute icons for the country Everybody um, who hasn't experienced it are in for a brand new experience Who do you think, looking at that squad, Amy, could be the hero- heroes of this generation?
1: You know, you look at that, you really do um... I think that there's a lot of excitement around him and there has been the last few years. That, that's where I look and you think, you know, if there's a, a little bit, of, there's a spark coming, I think it can come from him. Shea Adams as well, it's really exciting. Um, mm-hmm. And I think as well, this, my generation, you know, I think there was, I remember at the time there were a lot of, when um, he was first announced in that, in that last camp, there was a lot of people going, oh, you know, he's English or whatever. He's now just wanted to play for Scotland because we're at a major tournament. I'm not having that, you know he's here to play, he, he is a top, top class player, he's playing in one of the best leagues in the world, it's certainly not the best league in the world, but he's up there and he's scoring goals and he's in form, so who cares if only he now wants to play for Scotland I'm more than happy to, to, to get on that bandwagon, so I'm excited to see him you know, in midfield it is John McGinn, it certainly is, I don't want to touch on him too much, but you know, I'm, I'm saying obviously Dykes could, could produce a spark, but if there's a little moment of magic it's certainly going to be coming from from again you'd like to think so and then you look even even deeper really and I'm really excited at the, the addition of Billy Gilmore you know he's I'm talking about that this is my first um, major tournament and it's his as well in his lifetime and he's playing in it that's incredible so you know it's absolutely great for him to to be in and around that camp even if he doesn't he doesn't get a game at this age you know and you, you can even look at Nathan Patterson as well yeah, okay, fine, he's a, a Rangers player, but for so many years, we say, right, we, we look at Germany, we look at Spain, we look at France, why do they integrate youngsters, even England, why do they bring in all these youngsters, why Why though, at Scotland, do we have this thing that oh, if you're not old enough, no, if you're good enough, then you're old enough. Mm-hmm. So, we can't complain now that uh, 17, 18, 19-year-olds have been involved. It doesn't matter who they are. They're involved. It's fantastic. So I think you've, you've got to have a little bit of excitement with him. It's great going forward. Nathan Patterson's so young and he's going to be involved in this camp. Who cares that he's not maybe even been to one before? This is great to, to be bringing forward. We can't guarantee, we can't bank that we're going to make another one, the next one in, in a few years' time. So to have somebody that young already who's going to have that experience and can take that forward for your next 10, 12 years, because you know, you're, you're looking at your experienced heads in this team right now look at Craig Gordon, David Marshall they've been in and around the business for forever this is still their first time, we don't have an experienced player who's ever been to a major tournament internationally, so it's great at that young age that even Patterson's being involved if you asked me this morning for my squad would you have been in there? No, but again I just think you've just got to there's no point dwelling over it and thinking oh I wouldn't have him, wouldn't have that it's fantastic just to have these young guys in and, 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 and like you say six Celtic players is exciting
3: it is. Think, now, sorry Colin, on you go. I was going to say, if um, Chelsea go on and win the Champions League, will that be Gilmer being the first Champions League winner to be involved since Paul Lambert then? Would I be right in saying that? Robertson. Scotland think... squad. Oh, oh Robertson. Ro- oh, where Robertson where you? Completely forgot, I forgot Robertson. you meant
1: a major tournament, but yeah. Was... Uh,
3: well, a major tournament, you have Robertson as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Right. I mean, having, that ex- having that experience And that squad of guys That are playing Champions League football um, Europa League football as well Massive gosh. This week on the Marketers Report Patrizio
4: Spagnoletto Global Chief Marketing Officer Direct-to-Consumer For Warner Brothers Discovery Weighs in on building trust As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: i got to come down to something. It's massive Colin You you look at the Even the the, I I look back to 86 All you need to do Is look at that squad That Scotland took to Mexico In 1986 right There were some World class players In that squad There were some World class players Left behind Kenny Ogilvie didn't go because it was a bit of worry words because Alan Hansen had been dropped, etc. Everybody knows the story. But you look at the every part of that team had absolute quality at that time. Scotland could have picked a forward line consisting of the likes of Brian McClare, Morris Johnson, Frank McAvaney, Steve Archibald, Alan McCoist, you know, Kennedy um who was left behind. Unbelievable! You look at the midfield at that time with Paul McStay, Graham Sunnis, you know, at, at that time. Unbelievable team. And now, the big part of that was a lot of the players, Charlie Nicholas as well, um, a lot of the players were down south, they were based down south, and you look at the squad we've got the now, and we do have that, Colin, so they're playing at a high, high standard, uh, domestically, but also uh, in Europe. And I just think, you know, people have uh, maybe said, ah, you don't support Scotland, uh, this and that. I think there's been a lot of fatigue, because you've basically been watching really, really poor Scotland teams for 23 years. Um, they might call me a glory hunter and this and that, I'm watching it. I'm going to enjoy it. I want Scotland to win and I want to see the Celts doing well that are in the, the squad as well. Uh, one final point before we move on. Jack Henry. Now, we've spoken yeah. about this before, Colin. We've asked the question last week um, around Jack Henry. Does he come back? We spoke to the, the Belgian football correspondent, Amy, who said, yes, Celtics should bring him back in. Yeah. If we don't and he goes out there and has a cracking tournament, you know, I think we might love to regret that.
3: Yeah, I'd I'd say so. Um, And to be honest, I've not been able to see a lot of Jack Henry this season. So I'm looking forward to seeing him playing for Scotland. I think his performances were okay when he came back into the squad. Um, I'll be interested to see who gets the centre-half pairing. I think Scott McKenna will be kind of guaranteed it and then it'll be who plays alongside him, whether they play three centre-halves or they play two. I know they've moved Tierney into sort of left centre-half at times. Um, but yeah, as you said, if if Henry goes on and has a good tournament, then I'm sure there'll be plenty of suitors for him and that probably goes the same for guys like Ryan Christie as well, if he gets on to make some minutes, especially with him only having so long left on his contract Mm. Um, so yeah, it's great to see them in, it probably puts them in the shop window, probably benefits both sides in some scenarios
2: Well you look at a couple of the players Ryan Christie, right, so we know the contract situation they're calling Uh, Inverness Cali have got a 15% sell-on fee on Christie. So they'll be watching the situation very, very closely. Mm -hmm. You look at Nisbet. I was talking to someone... in my home town, my home city it is actually of Dunfermline, who was was suggesting that Dunfermline have a 20% sell-on on Nisbet. So they'll be looking at a situation where, you know, if Hib, if he has a good tournament, if he features has a good tournament, Hibs do cash in on him. You know, you've got these kind of smaller clubs who need the cash, Amy. Um, so a good Scotland squad, a good Scotland performance benefits other clubs on a secondary level as well.
1: Absolutely. It's just that domino effect, isn't it?
2: It definitely is. I mean, Nisbet, even at two and a half million, that kind of you know twenty percent of that for a club like the Pars um, is massive. I know that they held off uh, when he was originally being chased by a number of clubs. There was a bid of five hundred grand and knocked that back. I think he actually went for three hundred thousand quid to Hibs. Now I tell you what, they've done that a few times. You look at the Hibs contingent in that squad; they brought. John McGinn, I think, for three hundred grand from Saint Mirren. Yeah, they, they brought in Nisbet for three hundred grand. They, they've, they've taken a punt, Colin, on these domestic players, and and obviously it's proved well uh, for them as well. Loads of comments coming in, Amy supporting yourself, Natasha, and that's on team around those unsavoury tweets that came out today trying to link us in to the petrol bombing at peter lowell's house so thanks everybody for the comments we really appreciate them uh for example hypo 543 well Axom, i have highlighted some of the disgusting comments on here lately from people and they have been ignored because they are of a celtic persuasion but this is frightening you're doing a job and uh, we've also got Zinkovics, welcome back commenting on YouTube, enough is enough uh, this hatred and bile needs to be dropped, big time, there is banter and then there is this, this is when it brings home, Colin, just how serious the situation is, Chris M Axlom is grounded and not a hate group this is lunacy, grown adults make their own decisions and if they try to blame groups or individuals in motivating them it shows how weak those individuals are, so I'm sure that will develop and we're hoping that uh, the investigation into the criminal Act at Peter Lowell's house will be swiftly resolved as well Uh, really unsavoury to to hear what was going on there, now Colin um, prior to the big story breaking this morning you were talking about the football, you were doing some polls on Twitter, (laughs) people will be thinking what on earth are you talking about? Player of the year? Has there been one? Anyway, what did you find? What was the player of the year, young player of the year, goal of the season?
3: So it's interesting I mean, I don't know how many people actually realise but Ahead of the game against St Johnston last week, there was actually a broadcast on the Pass to Paradise. This might be part of the added value that they've been trying to throw at us. Um, that highlighted the the player of the year, um, young player of the year and the goal of the season awards. Um, uh, probably most people missed it because it wasn't very well advertised. Um, no surprise there considering the communications we've had out of the club recently. But the winner of both awards, the player of the year and the young player of the year, was David Turnbull. Now, I put out polls last night, um, and it was actually very close for the player of the year award between David Turnbull and Chris Ayer. Now, see, when you look at it, I think when we go back to the start of this season, and Neil Lennon was mentioning that there was players that were looking to make their way out of the club, and Mm. that interest was there from AC Milan for Chris Ayer. I think he generally was one of those ones that was looking to move on. But what has to be commended about him is he's put that behind him and he's probably went on to have one of his better seasons and what is a pretty poor Celtic squad. Um, is this just my opinion or do you think he's probably one of these as
2: well? Uh, if I was to uh, name a player of the year this season and the last gave me the, her uh, view on this, my player of the year would be Christopher Iyer. Without a doubt Now I understand that a lot of people uh, Think that defensively there are frailties there And how could you yeah. argue with that When you look at the defence this season Colin How could you argue with that um, yeah. You know I could stand up for him and say that Obviously he's not had a settled backline, Including the goalie etc etc But I'm looking at his performances as a defender And yeah you know, Will they ever be developed I don't know if he'll become a better defender But in terms of performances um, Attitude as well, I think, mm-hmm. when you look yeah. at Chris Iyer if anything's been going on in the background um, I've not seen it in the performances of Chris Iyer, he's not always been great, but I think um, it's been very slim pickings if you're looking for a player of the year um, mm-hmm. Personally, I would go for Chris Iyer Amy, what, what would your shout be?
1: I think I'd go Chris Iyer as well probably just, like you say, for for the duration as well um, obviously he has been all season Turnbull, not through no fault of his own obviously only really kicked onto the scene a little bit later there are there are definitely flaws in, in Ayers defending there, are, there certainly is I mean I know we've really just capitalised on everything that he's done well because we need to just have a look at anything sort of positive and if he is producing it then, then fine, fair enough but I think I think what you said there was quite vital I think you can't really give anyone player of the season based on performance like mm-hmm. you can't and I, I don't I, I, I don't appreciate that at all I, th- I don't think you can really praise anyone on, on a side like that, but if you look at you know, Ayer's versatility his attitude, you know, like I say when he, when he shifted to right back, some of his best performances really were so mm-hmm. it's just great to see him take on, I think that bit of leadership as well, I think he certainly helped out Callum McGregor a lot because as much as we all just assumed that, that McGregor would really, you know Take, take the range really well and make that a natural progression. It's not really worked out yet anyway. So I, I, I certainly think having Iyer behind them definitely helps. So it, it would be between Iyer and Turnbull. I know Colin you asked me may have a definite one. I never. I don't have a definite.
3: <laughs> one. I'll go, I, I can let you away with that. sorry all right. I'll
1: go Iyer Okay, Ayer. See see the thing is
3: with with Ayer, right? He's six foot six, and uh, he's although he's still young, he's only twenty three, and. A lot of the criticism comes from the fact that he's six foot six, but when he jumps, he's five foot four because he struggles to win the balls in the air. He's he's only scored two goals this season. Do you think that's something that could be kind of brought out of him in a new manager and a new coach, someone that's actually going to develop him? Or for the age of twenty three, should you really get to that stage where if you are a centre half and a lot of people say he isn't a centre half, then you should kind of already have that one ticked down? That's a basic.
2: Well, I always think a footballer can be developed I don't think that uh, they ever stop developing And you look at the impact I'll use one example, Brendan Rodgers on Scott Brown You know, the Mm -hmm. impact that he had on Scott Brown um, A lot of people had written him off In the media, maybe in the fan base Um, He came in, he played a specific role I think uh, when you look at the impact that Brendan Rodgers had on Callum McGregor you know, and uh, such a, a big impact that I don't think we've seen the same Callum McGregor since Brennan Rogers left, to be honest with you. And that has been highlighted massively this season because he's been worse this season than ever before uh, in relation to his consistency. He's been a very consistent performer. So I don't think that his age column or... You know, people may disagree with this. I don't think he's a finished article, um, mm. but I do. Th- I do think he can improve. Then you also look at the situation where, um, if he was partnered up with someone uh, on a week-to-week basis, and he was able to to actually develop a partnership at uh, you know the, the centre of defence for Celtic, where a goalkeeper behind him that you could trust. Um, any deficiencies that he does have probably wouldn't be um, as prominent because you know he's maybe not dealing with uh, as much uh, issues if he's playing in a strong back line. Um, or indeed a strong team because a lot of this was uh, you know set plays that we were we were giving away daft free kicks. I remember a, a free kick getting uh, conceded ten yards inside their own box, and I already was concerned because any opportunity for any team to loft the ball into their box this season was a chance at a goal. Mm. Um, and he was part of that problem, but um, I don't think we're going to have the opportunity ourselves to see that development because I do I do feel that he's one of these guys that um, will move. On. I think that of all the kind of big hitters calling, he's the guy I would try and keep, uh, to be yeah. honest with you. And I think, okay. you, know, you know, when Julian comes back in, we do look back on the, the partnership they had. I'm not uh, rewriting history here. I know we were calling out for another centre half at the early part of this season. But I think that there was a, an understanding there, Amy. And, you know, it, it all boils down to the headline today, which we're going to get on to. Um, it all depends on the new manager coming in.
1: Absolutely, it does. And as Colin says, you know, maybe we, we, a little bit of coaching, uh, a little bit of better coaching, you know, I may be more towards the, the, the completed article because he's, he's he's certainly not that. He's not the finished product. But as you say, it, it is all about the management. Of course it is. And getting that next, like you say, that next leader in the new era and so many different positions, that that's vital.
3: What was other categories, Colin? So we had the young player of the year as well Now that's yeah. actually quite difficult Because there hasn't really been that many young players Coming through this season
1: What do you uh, determine we... as young though as well? Sorry, because that annoys me Like, What do you determine as young?
3: Well, what would you say?
1: Like, there you go I, th- I think some, some some people say like 23 That's not young, we're just saying the, as well like, At Ayer's age, should he be fully developed? What what would you say? Would you say 21? Would you say, I'd go 20 under. I would go 20 under.
3: I'd say 21s, because you can play at your national level under 21s. Um, And then beyond that, that's when probably you come out of that category. And David Turnbull's probably on the the verge of that now. He's 21. Uh, Stephen Wells, 21. The other person that was included was Caramoco Dembele. You've got to include him because he's the only one else that's actually had a couple of games this season. Um, You would have probably threw Jeremy Frimpong in there if he'd have lasted the the full season but he moved on Um, and then young Adam Montgomery's only really had one start so it's hard to put that in there so it it probably was a straight shootout between Stephen Welsh and David Turnbull and probably to no surprise David Turnbull came out just like he did on the Celtic poll now I got a bit of stick a couple of weeks ago um, when I said that Stephen Welsh was probably going to be a squad player for Celtic next season and I think I think that's still pretty fair. I can't see him being a first-choice centre-half at Celtic. I think he'll be someone that comes in when there's an injury. Um, I don't think he's got the um, ability going forward to be a sort of mainstay in the Celtic defence. And for me, my concern about him is he is 21 now. So if we do go out and sign two or three centre-halves in the summer, what do you do with Stephen Mills? Do you keep him in the squad? to fill in if there is an injury or at that age you want them to go out there and to get the first team experience and put them out on loan I definitely wouldn't
2: put him out on loan um, I just think that he's proved himself to be a first team player not always a first pick Colin and it's the, the area of the park that we really need to strengthen but when you've you've made 20 odd appearances under the circumstances he's made them under then I think he deserves to be a first team player he needs to be in a first team squad I don't think it would do um, him any good at this stage to loan him out the argument might be look how well Jack Henry did. We need a familiarity I think as well, uh, moving into mm. next season, uh, we've spoken about that. There's going to be a massive upheaval in the squad. And uh, you know, I have been a big fan this season. Stephen Welsh, I think to be thrown in the way he was uh, wasn't ideal, but we had no other choice, unfortunately. Um, but every single day of the week, my player, young player of the year, would be David Turnbull. He's really excited me this season. I would have been gutted. Actually, if he had not been picked for the Euro squad, and I think that he's going to show his real his real value if he gets minutes, and I hope he does get get minutes in the, in the finals as well. Amy, I mean, would you agree with that? I know that it's again slim pickings on the, the young player front.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I said that the last time. I think we came on as well right after for the last camp um the the squad announcement and I was like the, the, the big admission has to be Turnbull, and I was scratching my head because then I was a little bit worried you think and then well was Clark really not thinking about him for the summer because I think if he had this in in mind I would have had Gilmore in the last camp, and I would have had Turnbull in the last camp, and then mm-hmm. even at that point, if, you, if even if Nathan Patterson was on the fringes, and at that time he was sort of playing, I'd have had them in that camp just to even be, you know, just in and around that. I appreciate obviously they have under twenty ones and and whatnot, and, and all of them have actually I've played a decent amount of games for them, and um, Gilmore in particular travelled everywhere everywhere with Scotland under twenty ones because he's been in, in the setup for so long, so. It is, it is fantastic to see him in there. And again, I would, I would have him as, as my young player as well. And you've got to hope that he gets some minutes this season, you know, eh, sorry, this this campaign. And like I say, you just got to take it from there. And, and anything from from that is, is just certainly a bonus.
3: What I've got to say on David Turnbull is when you look at him, obviously we looked to sign him the, the season before we did. Um, and I've seen the pictures of both him and Neil Lennon inside the Celtic boardroom being mm. interviewed for Celtic TV. And then what happened to Turnbull had the potential to completely ruin his career. Now, there was no guarantees that someone like him would have came back from what he's went through. Both physically and mentally, that must have torn him apart. To have your dream move totally ripped away from you because of something that you, you weren't aware of. And if anyone hasn't seen the documentary that Will put out, it's a definite watch. It was really, really good to see the the attitude that mm. Turnbull had to committing to come back to be as good as he can be. Now, I know there was a lot of fans at the time who were writing him off saying he doesn't really want to move, he doesn't really want to move. And then when we were interested in him again, we can get better than that. Look, David Turnbull's been a fantastic signing. He's been somebody that I've been watching for a number of years, and I think he can go on to be as good as John McGinn in that Scotland midfield, he can go on to have that sort of career, he'll be at Celtic probably for another couple of years and then we'll start seeing the bigger teams interested in him Um, and he probably will move on but the first thing I would be doing after these European Championships if he gets any sort of minutes is tying him down on a longer term deal so that if he does then decide to move on we get the most that we can for him. I think you do that straight away, Colin, because I think
2: he's given us enough of an insight into the, the true ability and, and the potential that he has, uh, barring injury, obviously barring mm-hmm. injury, um, that he will fulfil his potential. So, uh, yeah, David Trumbull every day of the week. And your other prize, before we, we
3: speak about the other big issues around Celtic Football Club, was it the goal? Goal, goal of the season. Now, uh, for me... Um, My memory's not been greater this season than for obvious reasons, Um, but I took a look at the ones that were um, put forward by Celtic and there was a couple, uh, thanks to Boys Analytic and Lewis Laird for pointing out the ones that I missed out, but I had Soros' um, goal against Undie United David Turnbull's three-kick against Hibbs in the first COVID game after Dubai. McGregor's goal earlier on in the season against Livingston, um, the one that flew into the top corner, and Edwards against AC Milan. Lewis also threw in um, the goal by Moy against Lille away. Which was a fantastic strike. Um, and Boys Analytic threw in Edwards' goal against KR at the start of the season, where he skinned six players and put it into the back of the net. Mm. But the goal chosen by the Axom viewers and listeners was Soros against Lundy United. And I have to say, fantastic goal. Um, and I hope we see a lot more of that from him going forward.
2: Well, I'm going to break all the rules. And I'm going to say that, um, you know, Edwards, we dink. Against Craig Gordon's goal of the season, I don't care if it's classes <laughs> last season. It was um, absolute genius from a player I don't think we'll see in a Celtic jersey again. Amy,
3: over but- to you.
1: I'd go that as well, actually. Um, I was thinking, and then I was going to message Colin. And go, oh, is it a technical that it's not actually this season. I I see, then,
3: that that I'd, was the thing as well. That it yeah. wasn't my, it wasn't anything against Ryan Christie. His two goals in the Scottish Cup were outstanding, but it was last season's competition. That's the only well, reason I excluded them.
1: If you were going go this season, I'd go Moy against Lille, I would.
3: Cool. I'm going to stick with the Dink.
1: <laughs>
2: so um, that's the way it goes, Colin. You break the rules. You break the rules. Uh, <laughs> It's been an interesting morning, it certainly has and obviously uh, we were on the end of some nasty tweets which is nothing compared to what Peter Lowell has had to deal with um, and I just ask the question who on earth, um, you know, in their right mind would look at Scotland, Scottish football was it a, Scottish, a, a football attack? Obviously I don't know uh, but you're looking at a situation where the CEO of Celtic um, is being petrol bombed, his house has been petrol bombed you're looking at the scenes it's just, for me, I think it's really detrimental to what we're trying to do as a football club. We're trying to bring in the best possible individuals to work um, in the, the various levels of uh, the, the football club. So you've got the incoming CEO and in Dominic Mackay. You have possibly Eddie Howe, although the deal hasn't been done um, I don't think there is enough leaders in that uh, squad to hand pick um, you know, a captain we probably would all disagree you know, you might have a an opinion on that Colin that I'll disagree with uh, mm-hmm. so we're looking at the situation who will lead us into the new era um, on the back as well of the situation that we found this morning in relation to Peter Lowell's house being petrol bombed Amy uh, do you think someone like Eddie Howe is looking at that and thinking nah, th- this isn't for me.
1: I think anyone in the right mind would. I think it certainly has to. You know, who knows how close or how far that this deal really is. But if there are, if there are any sort of you know, personal matters, or if there are any. You know, barriers to moving up. This this isn't going to be sending it in the right direction, is it? Would you really be wanting to move your family, your young family, up into? You know, everybody knows that, that Glasgow is a as a cauldron anyway for football, and just in, in in Scotland in general is. But if he's wanting to to move into really the, the pit of that cauldron, and then you see something like this happen, and, and as you see, this isn't really football. What what has happened? But yeah, we have no idea. If, we really don't have any idea who who is culpable for this. But would you, like Paul, you've got you've got a young son. Would you move your family to there from from down south where you've already had, you know, concerns? Maybe even moving up here. Would you do that?
2: Well, this kind of comment. Concerns me a wee bit. Why would that make anyone not want to come to Scotland? Happens all around the world. What CEOs of football clubs get the petrol bombed? I don't know if that's the reason why it's happened. We don't know the facts, but let me tell you something, Amy. Um, even the the outpouring of bile this morning from Great Pantheon 18 was bad enough. That's bad enough because instantly you don't, uh, you know, you can't help yourself but react to that. Um, I'm thinking obviously of yourself and Natasha as well in that respect you don't even want anybody else uh, within your household to know about these things because they'll get concerned what if they find out where you live, that kind of thing it's easy enough to find out where the studio is based and as I said earlier in the show, people have come to the studio in person uh, simply for disagreeing with uh, their narrative You know, so it is a concern, it's a big concern for me and I think that the last commenter has missed the point a wee bit. Yeah, this does go deeper than football. This is an individual that's maybe looking at Celtic um, and saying, "Well, you know, we're going to enter a goldfish bowl here that I don't want to bring. I don't want to bring myself or my family into Colin, and that does concern me a bit." And it's, it's horrific, to be honest with you, to be faced with that kind of news this morning. Um, there are other points as well that you wanted to cover in relation to Celtic. Um, but I can confirm that we'll certainly not be bringing in um, a dial-in situation again after the uh, events of this morning, which resulted, obviously, in us having somebody on last week. And then us, th- them trying to implicate us in the events at Peter Lowell's house. So in relation to uh, fans returning to stadiums, Colin, there's, uh, there's been a lot of, obviously, uh, discussions around that. Um, do you think that the the weekend's... Strict liability, etc. Um, the aftermath of that is going to affect fans, you know, well-behaved fans, which is the, in the majority getting back into stadiums and enjoying this sport.
3: I mean, I would like to think it wouldn't. Um, I, I'd like to think, just like I'd like to think that this, um, the the incident at Peter Lawwell's house, along with the other incidents that took part in that area. Um, as I as mentioned earlier, he wasn't the only house that's been targeted in that area over the last couple of months. I'd like to think that a lot of these incidents shouldn't be tarred with the same brush that um, everything seems to be tarred with when it comes to football. Um, and I'd like to think that when it comes to the start of next season, when we're starting to get into the pre-season, that we can take that out of the equation and we can start looking ahead to bringing fans back into the games. Now, just before we came on air, it was confirmed that the British and Irish Lions will be playing at Murrayfield on June 26th with 16,500 fans there. Now, that's 25% capacity. It looks as if the Euros are going to be played at 25% capacity. So you'd like to think that when it comes to the start of pre-season, that we can start looking ahead to a stadium being 25% um, full at the very least um, the, the sort of the games that have been played they are there as the, the kind of benchmark we're hoping that when it comes round to the start of July, end of July time that most people in Scotland will have received their first vaccination, if not they'll be well on their way to getting their second as well there comes a point where there's only so much that they can do behind the scenes before they have to start opening things back up and um, looking ahead, Celtic are rumoured to be playing West Ham on the 24th of July in a friendly match. I'd like to think that when that comes round, and that's roughly about the same time as the first European qualifier, we can see somewhere in the region of 15 to 30,000 fans in at Celtic Park for that game.
2: One of the big things that uh, obviously uh, there was the fans forum last week Colin, um, we spoke about some of the negatives out of that, one of the things that did strike a chord is the fact that Dominic Mackay has been involved in getting fans back into stadiums, uh, albeit in a different sport entirely, but he's been at the forefront of that kind of discussion. Um, A Celtic State of Mind will be invited uh, to speak to Not getting to a stadium, that's another argument for another day. (laughs) And to speak to the club at four o'clock this afternoon. So we'll be talking to the club in relation to how we can work um, next season, maybe with uh, regards to press conferences and the kind of access, Amy, that we've been kind of pushing for for four years now. So it's great that there has been a change, if you like, in direction when it comes to the club embracing fan media like Axom and others.
1: Absolutely, I, it's it's fantastic. You know, I, I've had the opportunity through uni. Um, obviously, we've got quite. Again, it's all about building up a reputation, and through uni, obviously, we're we're journalists, and we've got into grounds, and you know, you're you're welcomed it's great, you know, we can sit here and you can select the mainstream media or whatever, but you get talking to anybody from, you know, the Scotsman, the Times, whatever, whoever whoever may be there, they are fantastic with you, and I, I have no doubts that it would be exact the, the the same for fan media. I'd, I've not spoken to Natasha, how she got on at the weekend there, but by all accounts, you know, it's absolutely fantastic that she's getting to go into these grounds, and, you know, press accreditation, it's, it's not easy. I've been there, I've been rejected as a, as a student journalist, then it's it's a tough game to get into, it really is. And especially in COVID times this season, it's, it's difficult because you only have a, a small number that, that you're allowed in. Of course, it's, it's gradually increasing and, and that is fantastic. But, you know, for a growing company like like A State of Mind, who, who's a, a good name, a, a great name, a great reputation, it's the next step. It certainly is, you know, starting to go to press conferences. It's not just like hopping along Easter Road because Celtic are playing, you know. I've been at Hibs Press Conference, Colin's been to Hibs Press Conference, Paul, you have as well. We're getting there, you're making these moves, it's not just chucked upon your doorstep, you know, you have to work for these things and you're going around the right process and again, you, as you said, everybody knows where the studio is as well, so you've just got to take into account if, if it's certain clubs that are letting us in, We've just you've just got to, to take what you get given.
3: Absolutely. I think the thing about that as well, Paul, is a lot of these places that are mainstream media that we see and the people that work for the mainstream media, they are really getting involved with fan media as well. When you think of some of the guests that have been on um, all the shows across the the State of Mind network, um, people from Sky, from BT, from uh, from the BBC, from the, the, the newspapers, that are all wanting to get involved in fan media because they know it's an outlet that people want to listen to so f- f- the fact that the main the the sort of fan media are now being involved in the football clubs they are also getting involved in um things like going and covering the games it, it's a great move forward to be perfectly honest um fans always want to hear what other fans have to say they they don't want a a narrative fed to them and I know we've seen the the things about the the Celtic prava or whatever it was called when it comes to the Celtic view, because you're only getting the view that the club kind of wanted to put out. And that's what makes things like fanzines back in the day and fan media now so popular. So it's great to see that this is progressing to the level where it is an actual outlet, that people are tuning in in their thousands day after day to listen to normal fans discussing matters that are relating to their own, maybe sometimes other, football clubs. The big thing for me
2: is, um, yeah, it's a game of football. We've all got an opinion. Let's not get too personal on that matter. Let's not try and uh, get pile-ons on social media because it is very damaging and it's very hurtful for certain individuals to have to deal with that. One final thing I would say. Yesterday, Amy, we were uh, delighted to be joined in the studio by a real talent called Brooke Combe, who came in and played a couple of tunes for us. Absolutely astonishing talent, I can't wait for it to be edited and put out on the channel as well, so we're hoping that a week on Saturday you'll be able to watch the Unplugged session plus an interview with Brooke, who Amy, I believe, is going to be absolutely massive.
1: She absolutely is, honestly, like I say, I've known a like I, I went through high school with with Brooke, and my claim to fame will always be that I was in Brooke Combs music class. So um, that, that's what I'll be known as in a few years' time because she's phenomenal. You know, we were just sitting there yesterday, Paul, and, and it was absolutely great to hear her. And like I say, I've been lucky enough, obviously, to hear her many, many a time. Um, but she's she's grown in confidence. She's she's just growing full stop, and the sky is really the limit. And it's it's just fantastic, like you say, that. She, Got her, got her interview with her. A state of mind. And um, yeah, it's fantastic because sh- she's definitely going places.
2: Oh, without a doubt. So thanks everybody for your support. I've got to say that uh, and I mean that wholeheartedly. Thank you for tuning in on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. And thank you to Colin Watt and Amy Canavan for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. <laughs>
0: gives
4: you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.